Welcome to episode 445 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, team, welcome along to episode 445 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. And once again, it's only Bevan James Isles here in the studios right now. Um, it's the second week of our break in between Christmas and New Year's for 2014-2015. And John, I imagine right now is, well no, because I think goes to Criterion a few weeks from now. So I imagine he's probably in Christchurch. And I'm still in Queenstown, but I get back to Christchurch next week. So next week we are going to be back in the studios, back into the show as well. So it's getting back into the swing of things for 2015. And now that's going to be cool times for us. I'm actually recording this show on Christmas Eve. So it's currently about 11 o'clock in the morning on Christmas Eve. And once I've done this, I'm going to wrap up the day. I might go see a movie. It's funny for me. Poor me. Um, Christmas morning, Joe's. she's actually in Queenstown now, she's actually gone to go to Queenstown, so Christmas morning I wake up all lonely by myself, so pretty much once she leaves I, I end up watching lots of movies, it's kind of one of the things I like to do with my time, so I'm going to watch a few movies over the next 24 hours, play my piano, and then spend some time with family tomorrow and the rest of it, so again, just, just feel sorry for me. Today's show, um, I'm sure everyone's just weeping like crazy right now, uh, today's show is, uh, unfortunately... We lost the interview we had with Chris Leado when we were in Kona. For the life of us, we just weren't able to find it, which is a real bugger. And I think if anything, um, you know, if you if I can promote anything that he's doing, he's a, he's a big driver of the more than sport. And, um, and, and he really gave us a good, it was about 20 minutes long, just giving the fundamentals of what that organization is about. And he just really encouraged you guys to, you know, we do live in a very selfish sport and we were very consumed about our own growth and everything we can do to get better. And uh, his organization, More Than Sport, is really about helping others on your journey of becoming a better triathlete. And um, like when they're in Kona, the little things like if you donated $40, it created a school package for kids in the local area. And that school package had a school bag and, and pretty much all the stationery a kid would need for the year. And, you know, while you're doing your race, you could donate to more than sport and you'd be able to get that too. So so unfortunately, while we weren't able to get that show out, that interview onto you for today's show, do I do recommend supporting those guys. It's unbelievable the amount of work they were doing in Kona. I know Chris and a lot of people within the organization put a massive amount of time out into just, you know, helping in communities because your sport or our sport has turned up and done that. And they're actually branching out. So they're actually doing a lot more other sports now as well. So good work, important work in the community. So support more than sport. And actually, while I'm talking to you guys right now, let me pull up their website. Wait a second. Um, I'm going to go to Safari because that's how I roll because I'm on a Mac. And I know you guys love Macs out there, all you Mac lovers. And I'm going to go more than sport. More than sport.org is the website. You go to there, you can check out everything that they are doing. And it's actually a pretty sharp website as well. So check, check, check it out. So what I'm going to do in today's show, I'm just going to do a one of the shows that I have done for Fitness Behaviour. And I did one a couple of weeks ago, which I thought would be quite applicable for this time of year. And it's really a reflective kind of discussion around maybe some weaknesses you've developed within yourself in the last 12 months. So... 
I'm going to chuck that on in a minute. The show's going to be a little bit shorter this week, guys, just because uh, we don't have that Chris interview, and it, you know what, it's holiday season, so it's probably only going to be about a 40-minute show all up today, but that's cool. And before I get into that, I'll just talk about our sponsors, and I'm going to pull up Extreme Endurance, your lactic buffer, so let me go to xendurance.com, so I'm doing it right here, Endurance, X Endurance, yes, here we go, got it here right now, this is great podcasting by the way. So much harder by myself having to do it by myself. But xendurance.com, and they've got lots of different supplements. And one that John always talks about is the Immune Boost. And what it is, is it's basically a power-packed multivitamin that has lots of things within it, like your antioxidants and the key vitamins that you'll need to basically stay healthy. And while our sport is a really good sport for keeping us fit and healthy, there is a level of vulnerability that comes with the extreme amount of exercise that we do. And if you're somebody who's somewhere in the world right now and it's winter and you're training for a winter race, you are going to be putting yourself in more extreme conditions, which increases your chance of risk towards being sick leading into your race. So for that reason, we want to, A, we want to do everything we can to look after our body in that time. And that's the simple things like making sure you've got great training gear. You know, trying to choose times of the day uh, where you are, you know, maybe it's a little bit warmer or maybe sometimes doing some indoor sessions on really wet days and those kind of wise decisions increase your chance of getting through a big training time in a healthy way. Now, while that's really important in itself, what we also want to do is use things like the immune boost to make sure that we are looking after our body. So obviously good nutrition is really important. And as we know about the show, it's a very debatable topic, but you know, you know, really healthy food is really important and good sleep, but also your extreme immune boost is a really good tool to help keeping you healthy over your winter period. And I know for John, John, he swore by this leading up into Kona. And I know when I did Kona, training in Christchurch was an extremely hard thing to do because we're going through our winter and to go into a race where you're going to be racing, you know, in plus 30 degrees Celsius weather you know, it's not ideal, and uh, something like an immune booster can help you do that. So if you want to check that out, go to xendurance.com. They've got bottles on there. You can get it, and uh, you, while you're there, you can also pick up Extreme Endurance and uh, some of the other products as well. So check it out, xendurance.com, for your Extreme Immune Boost. Anyway, guys, we're going to get straight into the show. I'm going to chuck up the latest edition of Fitness Behaviour and uh, just before we get into that if you want to subscribe to Fitness Behaviour it's got a a massive size audience which is kind of cool you can go to my website bevanjamesisles.com and you can see it there here we go here's this latest edition of Fitness Behaviour I was writing a press piece a couple of weeks ago and uh, it was my last piece for 2014. And, you know, when you write a, a weekly piece, you know, you're always trying to think of ideas of what you can write. And I thought because it was the last piece of the year, <clears throat> I would thought I would do a reflective piece. The idea of writing a piece that was about getting you to look back on your year and to think about maybe some of the significant moments in your year. And in the piece, I kind of encouraged the idea of doing a a top 10 creative expression of your year. And what I mean when I say that is is the whole idea of creating some form of of hard copy, be a painting, be pictures, be a journal, being something that represents the 10 significant moments in 2014. 
And the whole idea of this was not that you're just saying the highlights of my year, but to actually say, you know, the, the moments that really identified my year. And, and not necessarily even big things outside of myself, actually things that contributed to my life that I actually felt and had to experience with within my own life. Uh, I, I, the piece I start off and I t- kind of talk about, if you can you remember 2011 and what were the significant moments of 2011 on a world scale and how that as we move through time, we kind of forget significant moments of each year. So as a part of the end of the year, a really fun project to do is to think about those significant moments in your life and then to create some kind of hard copy of it so that you can have that as you move forward in your life. And there was a kind of a few valuable aspects that would come around doing an, an activity like this. First of all, you would have um, the experience of reflecting on your year year and really identifying those significant moments. It was interesting, after doing this piece, my partner Joe and I, we sat down and we really thought about what were the significant moments. We kind of, <clears throat> we tried to limit it to the top 10 of 2014. And it was really interesting, like she lost her grandfather this year and it was a really sad, significant moment. Uh, my book coming out was a big moment for me. Um, you know, she did a race that was really important to her. Our business, she did some great work on our business. Um, I had I joined a band, which was a big goal for this year. So we kind of sat down and really identified what those moments were in our, in our year. And it was actually really cool because there was just the experience of having this discussion with each other made us feel a lot more connected together. And in this piece, I talked about that whole idea of that ultimately this is a cool thing to do by yourself. But it, actually, it's a really fun thing to do with the, the important people in your life. So if you have a family, uh, to sit around with your family and turn off the TV a few nights a week and actually create something like this would be a really fun experience that would help you reflect and learn from 2014. One of the other aspects that I really kind of talked about in this piece was the whole idea of um, that you actually have something that you can keep forever as, as a keepsake of this year. And I, I wrote about how I've kept a journal. I started writing a journal in 1999. So it's now, it's been 15 years that I've been writing a journal. And pretty much 90% of the time, I'll write a journal every night of the week. And uh, it's been really interesting. I don't really reflect back on my journals that often. I don't really go back and read my old journals, but occasionally you will. And it's really fascinating. The thing that I've discovered about writing journals is, it's, again, it's a really important reflective tool that I use in my day-to-day life. But also, when you go back and read your old journals, it's amazing how many memories that reading those words help trigger that aren't written on that page. So I might write about a day, and you get taken back to that day, and you remember there's all these other significant moments that are happening in your life. Another really fascinating thing about writing a journal is, is you see how you slowly change in life. You know how how people and priorities and priorities, sorry, uh, and um, you know the activities and, and what's important in your life at different stages in your life. How they slowly shift. It's, it's just a really fun experience to occasionally look back on those things. <clears throat> but ultimately, by having this this record of your life, you you a you create a record, but b it actually helps to trigger a lot more memories and experiences in your life. And that was the whole idea of doing this piece was, you know, as you look back on 2014, what are the top 10 moments of your year? And as you think about this yourself, 
have a think, you know, even maybe you stop and pause this podcast for a moment or, or after you listen to today's show, maybe get a piece of paper and just think about what are those 10 significant moments in your year? It was really interesting going through mine, you know, in some ways I had some really big things happen and in other ways I looked back at my year and thought, oh, maybe I haven't challenged myself enough this year. So, you know, it's made me really think about 2015 and how I want to evolve myself in ways that I may have felt maybe not slipped or just hadn't been as sharp in, in 2014. So so there was real value in doing that experience. And I think that ultimately when we think about um, this time of year, the, you know, the end of the year, there's a natural tendency for us to reflect and doing tools like your top 10 of the year or to set some goals in the new year are uh, some really valuable things to do. I was teaching in a class the other night and and I had a concept that kind of popped up into my mind, which uh, often does happen when I'm teaching. I'm not, I'm not much of a pre-planner, very much kind of spontaneous to my thoughts when I'm teaching. And um, and and the thought was was this: when you think back to yourself twelve months ago, so think about this within yourself right now. So think back this time last year. And I know for a lot of you guys out there who are listening to the show right now, I know this gets released the day before Christmas in 2014, but a lot of you guys will probably be listening to this five years from now because that's the nature of podcasting. But whenever you're listening to this, be it you know 2014 or 2015, 16, 17, think back to 12 months ago from now. Now, there are the obvious questions that we'll look about, you know, when you do that reflection of 12 months ago, you know, like how have I grown and and uh, where have I slipped and so on. But there's a question I used in class the other night that really seemed to trigger the people in the class. And the question was, what excuses have you developed in your life in the last 12 months? Let's explore that question again. What excuses have you developed in your life in the last 12 months? It's a really interesting question to explore. And admittedly, the class that I was teaching was the spin class. And for those who don't know much about group fitness, you know, tends to be that the cycling classes does attract a little bit more of an older crowd, um, partly because there's no impact involved. So, you know, when people are young at the gym, they tend to do the high impact classes or the, the high intensity, lots, you know, the jumping kind of classes. And as their bodies get older, the, the impact's a little bit harder on their body. So they tend to move towards the, the spin class, which is similar type of intensity, but with a lot less impact. So the nature of the workout that with the people in the room tends to be people who are, you know, a little bit older, not, not stupidly old, but, you know, just a little bit older than maybe what you get in a high impact class. And it was really interesting exploring that question with those people there because when we're working with people who are older, they have an excuse that in some ways is real and justifiable, but in other ways it becomes an excuse that becomes a real limiter and it's actually not that real. So let me look at it. And what is that excuse? The excuse is age. <laughs> you know, as you get older, exercise does get harder. You know, you you do become more limited in the things you can do around exercise because of aches and pains and, and wear and tear and, and all those types of things around exercise. So as we get older, we do have a genuine excuse of 
maybe not being able to exercise to certain levels in certain activities that we've done in the past. But then as we think about this excuse of I'm getting older, does that excuse become a bigger limiter than what is realistic based on what you can currently do? And this is the thing I was exploring with my class was are you using your excuses in ways that are unrealistic or are taking them too far? Are your excuses actually allowing you to be weaker than you need to be on both the physical and the mental side of it? So let's, let's, let's take a step back. Let's just go back to the first question. When you think about the last 12 months, what excuses have you created in your life? And, and really think hard about this question. Let's not, don't, don't just put it into um, exercise. You know, within your career, what excuses have you allowed to, to come into your career that maybe allows you not to, to, to chase anymore? And I think, that, you know, I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but I think the thing that I find really interesting is that it seems to be that something, you know, if we go to the age thing, it's like one of the big excuses we do is we, we allow ourselves no longer to chase that better version of ourselves, be it career, be it relationship, be it exercise, be it hobby, be it, you know, whatever that is. And when you think about your career, are you still driven to become better at your career? Are you still aspiring to, to greater heights, to get greater knowledge, to, to face bigger challenges? And if you're not, what excuses allow you to sit in that place? When you think about your relationship, you know, I've talked about relationships on this show many times in the past. Is your relationship still something that's, that's gaining a deeper love, a deeper understanding of how you two work together, of how the other person works and how you can become better at working with them so that, you, you know, that you, like I, I often think of relationships, in the first stage of relationship, one of the most appealing things about being in that relationship is you want to be a better version of yourself because you're around this person. And over time, that thing tends to get diminished because we no longer try to improve our relationships. So if you are someone who's sitting there and you think about this last 12 months of my relationship, has your relationship evolved to a better place? Or is it not? And if it hasn't, what excuses are you allowing to sit in with your relationship? With, with your weight, with your exercise? Are you still chasing? Are you still trying to be, to be a better version of yourself through those things? Have you let little habits slip in? You know, if you if you reflect on the last year, do you notice that actually now I'm having a bit more sweet in my day and I've just let this habit slip in unaware? Or, you know, when I exercise, I don't hit the same intensity that I used to. Or, I, you know, where I used to prioritise exercise, now I kind of miss a few sessions. What excuse do you justify to allow yourself to sit in this place? You can kind of see where I'm going with this. That w this reflection of this last 12 months is to really see where you've fallen back in your life. Where, where are those areas where 
you know that you're actually not a better version of yourself. You may have taken a couple of steps back. Once you, once you can see where those areas are and really identify what those slips backs are, then what you're able to do is you can really start to identify what the excuses are that I'm using. And I think there's, 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 I'm going to kind of put a process forward today. So the process we're going to talk about is, first of all, the identification of slippage. So again, think back to 12 months from now. And the areas, and identify different areas of your life. Because you may find that some areas you've actually evolved a lot in. So for example, <clears throat> maybe as, a, as an athlete you've slipped, but in your career you've really evolved. So in your career, it's like, no, just stay on the path I'm working on. But within my athletic or fitness ability, I've definitely felt slippage. So think about that question in the different areas and then notice the slippage that you have in those different areas. Once you've identified that, then you want to identify what excuses am I allowing myself or am I using to allow myself to justify the slippage that I've had in that area. So for example, in the group fitness class I was teaching, I know that when I confronted the age excuse that some people kind of gave me the look that told me, you know what, I'm probably using this excuse to a level that is unrealistic and actually holding me back. So if you think about the area, let's say you identify something with the relationship and you identify that actually your relationship isn't as a bit of good place as what it was this time last year. So that you all know that, you know, that it's not. And and maybe you could even identify how that is. So I know because we no long have shared experience together and I, I feel we argue more. I feel disconnected to them. I may be looking for outside sources for emotional, uh, for my emotional needs and, and even worst case, even maybe even physical needs. You know, there's this evidence of, this slippage in my relationship what excuses am I using to justify this our relationship is we've just disconnected Um, you know it's just comfortable I don't need to confront it Um, this is what all relationships are like when they've been together for a long time my friend's relationship is like this so these are the excuses that you're using to justify an action now once you can identify these areas and then the excuses you're using, the next thing you really want to explore is um, are the excuses real? And like I was saying before around age with exercise, there are going to be some level of reality around excuses when you age with exercise. If you're in your 50s, there's no way you can physically do what you were able to do in your 20s at least if you'd always been a fit person. So, you know, if you... <clears throat> excuse me, I've got something in my throat today. Um, if you're, So if you are in your 50s, there is a level of truth to the fact that you are older, so exercise is harder. So as you think about the different areas of your life and you've identified the areas where you've had slippage, then you've identified the excuses that you've had, then you can then look and see, are there, is there some truth in that excuse now sometimes it will be no do you know what not all relationships are bad relationships there are examples of good relationships and I'm allowing this excuse to hold me back and if I remove my this excuse and work on my relationship my relationship can get better 
Sometimes it is yes. Again, exercise age. Once we've identified that, if it's a yes, then what we want to identify is, well, how much of age should be a realistic reason to limit myself around exercise? And then how much of that, those excuses, am I are actually unjustified, are actually untrue? That actually, even though I am in my 50s, I could still be improving a lot more around exercise. Now you can see how this, this process of going through these questions then makes you confront where A, you've had your slippage, but B, how you can evolve forward moving into your next period of your life. And if you were to explore this question of, if I didn't have this excuse, I suppose this is probably the next step in the process, if I didn't have this excuse, what could I achieve? Again, if I didn't have this excuse, what could I achieve? Because the thing about excuses is, what excuses do is, excuses are basically, I'm closing the door on the possibility of me being able to develop myself in this area. So as soon as I say, as soon as someone goes to me, can you go harder with exercise? And I go, I am old. What I'm basically doing is closing off the idea that I can go to more intensity. Whereas if I can look and go, I have my limits around my age, but I can still push, then I can keep developing myself. If you are uncertain of what your excuses are, but you know there's been slippage, so if we take a step back again and we say, okay, well, I, I look at myself musically, just because you guys know I play music, um, and I realise I've slipped back. Admittedly, I haven't slipped back this year. It's been quite a big year for me for music this year, but but um, but let's say I had. Maybe music was still important to me and, and I had felt slippage back. and um, But I can't really identify what the excuses are. Some good little tricks to really be aware of is to notice the self-talk you have in that area and also to notice how you talk about yourself to others in that area. So when someone suggests some exercise to you, what is your self-talk around that? And, you know, I've talked a lot about this in the past, you know, idea of how do you, um, you know, what do you communicate to your world about yourself that represents yourself to your world? And, and that can be a really good way to help you learn your excuses. And the, and the deeper understanding you can have at your, your excuses, then the much better path you can create moving forward towards your next path. And, and that's where we want to go now. So the first point is, is to really get that great understanding of what the excuse is and what is the driver of that excuse. So it may be that as I'm older, I don't want to look like a fool or, I, you know, I have, that's really interesting this one actually, because I am older and I have a certain level of stature and... Um, you know, comfort and, um, you know, recognition in the world, I don't want to look vulnerable when I'm exercising. And actually, I'll share an experience. As I say this, I, I, I have this moment myself. A few months ago, I went to Auckland for a work conference, and as a part of it, they had um, this this thing called the Grit Challenge. And Grit for in Les Mills is is the hardest workout basically and so they had this challenge where they got four groups of four instructors and the the conference I was at was for the world's leading or at least Australasia's leading instructors 
and um, and you get teams of four, and you had to do this fitness challenge. And what they'd done is all around the world, they had um, the same challenge. So they had in Australasia, they had it in the Americas and the Europe's in Europe, the Europe conference as well. So ours was the last conference, and all around the world, they got the best times, and all of these best, you know, the world's best fitness instructors had done this challenge and they had this time that everyone was trying to achieve. Now, without sounding up myself, one of the things that I've always been successful in my career has been extremely fit. Like I've always been known, the guy even in the fitness industry, to be kind of, you know, one of the stupidly fit people. And you take me back 10 years ago and that challenge got put in front of me. I'm standing up straight away on the first guy up thinking confidently that I'm going to win this. You know, that's just how I thought. And it was based on the fact that I trained 40 hours a week and I was stupidly fit and I always look for the challenge. Well, while I'm still a, a really fit guy nowadays, I'm, I'm not what I was 10 years ago. And when, they heard, when I heard about the grit challenge, I instantly started to have excuses about why, why... I couldn't do it, and B, once I decided I would do it, because I knew I should, um, I was looking for excuses to justify why I wouldn't win, because I have this reputation in my industry of being one of the really fit guys, I have this investment in this reputation of being the guy who others think is really fit, and and surrounded by people who are already, you know, the most of the world people will think are fit, then they look to me and think I'm the fittest, now not everyone thinks that, obviously, but you know, there's this, there is this kind of persona and reputation that I've built in my in my career around this. So then, when in my late thirties, as I am now, we had this big fitness challenge. Suddenly, I was trying to find excuses on a at first why I don't need to do it, and in the end, I pulled my socks up. I, I realized I was coming up with excuses, and I thought, no, I need to do this because. A, I needed a challenge and it's important for me. Uh, but B, then once the challenge began, I was almost trying to find an excuse to justify why I wouldn't be competitive anymore. So, you know, I would bring up the niggles of injuries that I've had recently. You know, like I have had a bit of a bad back throughout this year and that was one of the reasons why maybe I shouldn't push as hard because I don't want to really risk my back. In fairness, my back probably wasn't as bad as I was using as an excuse. So sure, my back has been funny this year, and actually right now I've, got, I've actually got a bad back. So, uh, you know, like it hasn't been the best back that I've ever had this year. Uh, but at that moment in that challenge, my back had been fine for a period of time. And sure, there is probably a level of extreme exercise that I need to be careful of as I get a little bit older. But this case, it probably wasn't as much of an excuse that I was willing to use. And the reason was, was because my fear of hurting the reputation that I built over a long period of time. Now, luckily, (laughs) um, I did the challenge and my team did manage to win. So that was quite cool. And uh, obviously, I still am kind of an extremely fit guy. But, um, and, and actually, I'm so glad that I didn't allow the excuses to to become a thing that limited myself because in 2014 that challenge was one of the highlights of my year like when I wrote my top 10 with Joe a few nights ago one of my highlights of the year was winning the grit challenge because I thrive when I'm under pressure 
I thrive when I have to stand up to a challenge. I, I, I love working extremely hard in exercise. I, I, I loved winning it. I, I, I felt great winning it. I had shared experience with these other three people in my team and we worked extremely hard together and it was just camaraderie. It was really cool. Uh, there was an esteem boost. There was confidence. I got so much from doing that experience. But if I had allowed my excuses to limit myself, I would have missed out on all of those things. And the reason the excuse was in my mind was because I was fearful of hurting the reputation that I developed within myself throughout my career. When you start to look at your excuses, that's where you want to go to your next level. As you really want to think about, why do I use this excuse? Because what we're trying to do when we think about why do I use this excuse is we really are trying to confront what I need to overcome within myself. So in the example I've just shared with you there, the thing I need to overcome is I can't limit myself because I'm fearful of a reputation that I've built being faded away. Now, as I look at that, that's a much bigger question, isn't it? You know, as I look at that, I think there, there, there's a little bit of me that has to accept that I'm not always going to be the fittest guy in the room. Like, there's no way a guy who's 37 should be able to keep up with a guy who's 25 and who's really going for it. Like, if I were to compete against my 25-year-old version of myself, there's just no way I can beat that because I'm older. And as time goes on, that's going to become more and more of the case. So a part of me getting older with exercise is accepting that I'm not going to be the peak that I was in my past. But I do not want that to be a limiter for me to chase the higher levels of exercise that ultimately I know I enjoy and give me so many rewards on a personal, physical and mental way and life experience way as well. And I can only really identify those things if I understand why I'm using the excuse. So once I've understood, well, once you've understood why you're using the excuses in the different areas, like the one I've identified here, like the, you know, if you like work, why have you stopped chasing? What's the excuse? Why, what, what's the deeper meaning for that excuse? Within your relationship, what, 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 what's been the regression? What's the excuse you use? What's the deeper meaning for that excuse? Then the next step is to go, well, if I'm trying to evolve myself in the next 12 months, what do I need to develop for myself based on the understanding I've gained from the excuses I've used? So as I think about developing myself around exercise, one thing I need to do is I need to develop myself to always be open to challenges that are good for me. Because otherwise, I would, you know, the excuse of getting older and not being what I want to be is you know, one, you know, that will limit that. Another thing I need to do is develop the acceptance of not, not trying to beat what I was in the past and going back to some of the stuff I've talked to you guys about, about measuring my growth from where I am right now and trying to see, set bars that are above that. Another thing is, is to take my energy away from me needing to be seen in that light anymore. Like, Maybe my energy is much better off putting into developing other people to help them grow themselves and to experience their higher version of themselves, which would be a much more rewarding path to work down as I move forward in my life. 
So those are some examples of of ways that I can become, you know, if I wake up 12 months from now on Christmas Eve in 2015, that I'll look back on that exercise year and I'll go, wow, I've, I've actually evolved even though I'm getting older. And then I suppose the last step is so, so again, if we take that step back is, you know, understand the deeper meaning for the excuse and then see about how you can evolve from that. Then plan for the evolution. So as you think about the next 12 months, think about the actionable challenges that you can put into your life. They're going to show behavior change in the areas that you feel you want to develop yourself. So it might be in the relationship that you actually, you know, that leads to an actionable change where you have quality time with your partner each week where you work on your relationship. It's really interesting. I I had a client recently who um, was making really big progress with me, but there's one area they didn't want to identify with me. And my role as a coach is to to push, but sometimes it's not to push because people don't always want to share everything. Uh, But I, I did push a little bit and it turned out that the relationship of this person was kind of pretty bad. And, um, they, you know, they, it was, it was bad in that they became friends, but they had no intimacy anymore, and it had been going on for a long time. And and this person was really craving those things, and uh, we we did a lot of work, and and it's phenomenal to see the place they're in right now with their partner because they both worked really hard on their relationship. But a part of them being successful in doing this was making this commitment to to a time each week where we reflect on our relationship and how we can evolve it. And just, just that little behavior of setting aside time where you're actually actioning, improving your relationship has had this massive effect on this relationship. It's, it's seriously within like four months. It's been mind-blowing. And, and that's kind of the last step that we're going through here is what's the action plan? Because a lot of these things are great concepts, but change never happens until I take action. So once I understand the deeper meaning and, and how I need to keep evolving myself, what are the actions I'm going to take in the next 12 months to make sure that I am evolving in these areas? If you do this well, then you won't wake up at 2015, this time 12 months from now, taking another step back. Because actually what happens, I don't know if there is a word as de-evolution, um, probably is, I'm not sure, not the most smartest cookie in the, in the cookie jar, but but you will regress more because that's the thing. If you've regressed in in one area of your life in the last 12 months, like if you can honestly say, if you can look at an area of your life and go, I've regressed in this area this year and you allow that excuse to be justifiable in a way that's limiting, 2015, you would have regressed more. And over time, you're falling away more and more from an area that can be massively important to you. And really, I, I see it as our role in life is to be continually evolving our understanding of ourselves so that we become a higher version consciously and physically and mentally and emotionally and in many important, powerful ways. And that by doing this kind of work, this 12 week time 12 months from now, you'll have a greater understanding of yourself and you wouldn't have just taken the one step, two step, three steps back that potentially you could have if you allow yourself to sit in your excuses. So how does this all go together? I suppose if if I'm going to wrap it up, the the first question is, 
where are you in the different areas of your life in comparison to where you were this time 12 months ago? You know, what, you know, really think about that and, and try to break it down to the four or five areas of your life that you really think are important. If you're evolving, maybe explore why am I evolving and why does that work for me? But if you know you have regressed in some areas, what excuses have you developed to justify and allow the limiting of yourself in that area? Once you've identified those, really, really see as, as some level of this excuse fear. And if so, how do I work around that? And then what levels aren't fear or are limiting? From there to then understand a, to a much deeper level why I have this this limiting. Why, why I am? Why is this excuse important? Why why am I using this excuse? Is probably what I'm trying to say there. Then once you have an understanding of that, is how do I evolve myself away from this excuse? And then I need to make an action plan of actionable behaviours that I will see as I progress throughout the year. If you can do this, like imagine, imagine 12 months from now, you wake up and in you know, the four or five areas of your life that you seem to prioritise, you're more evolved. You're a, you have a deeper understanding of yourself. You, you know how to sit in your world in a more comfortable, more confident, more powerful way that actually is exciting and makes you get the most out of your life. It's pretty powerful stuff when you think about it. Now, to be honest, it's, it's, it's work. You need to work on yourself. You know, it's, it's not just you're going to do this, think about this podcast, go away. You'll, you'll need to, if you want to get the most out of it, you're going to have to work on yourself. And I know this is an area I've been thinking a lot about myself. I look at some areas in my life this year and I go, wow, I've, I've made some massive progress. But then other areas, I've, I'm really comfortable and, and I don't, I'm not chasing anymore. And, and ultimately, I still want to be chasing and I've allowed some excuses to come in. And I know that as part of my holiday period, I'm going to do some big reflection. I've got a board a journal. I'm going to do some some planning, some goals, some growth stuff, so that this time next year, as I sit in front of you guys, as my you know the guys of this audience here, this community, hopefully I'll be a higher version of myself. And ultimately, if you can do that as well, you will become that better version of yourself. Right, guys, hopefully you enjoyed the discussion I had there. I, I do think it's a really interesting discussion for us Ironman athletes to have. I know that for myself, I'm going to kind of waffle on about this to the to the Am Talk community now, but I know that for myself, my real driver for doing Ironman was learning about myself. You know, for me, from day one, it was this the appeal of the sport, well, there was lots of appeals. There was the life experiences, there was the, the physical challenges, the um, the, the people, uh, you, you know, there was always another challenge to find within the sport. There were lots of things that I found really appealing about doing Ironman. And for me, the moment, but, but I suppose ultimately what I loved about doing Ironman was it, it showed me a higher version of self. 
like at the end of the day, that was why I did the sport was that ultimately this, this sport and the effort that I put into the sport continually showed me a higher version of myself. And I know for, for me, it was a very sudden stop to the sport. And, and the reason I ultimately came to that conclusion was that I no longer felt the sport could offer me those higher versions of self based on the criteria that I had around the sport. Like I, I wasn't willing to leave my home because I had a kid and I had a career. I wasn't willing to, um, you know, just those types of things were really meant that how much more I could grow was a lot more limited than what I'd had up to that point. Now there was still growth for me to have in the sport and that could have been something I could have chased. Like I never got that sub nine, but at the end of the day, for me, that was a good time for me to move on from the sport. Now, I imagine if I'd stayed in the sport and just continually did what I did up to that point, I actually would have started regressing. And I would have started to find those excuses in my training coming along because actually I was no longer chasing the thing that ultimately drove me in the sport, that, that desire for a high level of self. And I think sometimes for a lot of, you know, a lot of you guys have been doing the sport for a real long time. And these these questions that I've kind of put in front of you in today's podcast is a re- are some really good questions to explore around your athletic career. And to really think back to what was it, particularly for, you know, if you're newer to the sport, you're probably on this, you know, on this pathway right now where everything's very exciting and new. But for those of you who are listening who have been in the sport for a real long time, and, and, and you reflect on some of the questions that I've given in today's show, and you may identify that actually you aren't as good an athlete as what you were at this time last year, and you are allowing those excuses to start to come into your life. Maybe another aspect to add on top of that is to really think about, well, what was it about this sport that I found so appealing when I was earlier on, when I had that drive that maybe I'm lacking right now? And is this something I still find appealing or, or can I realign with this as I move forward towards my next period of, in, in the sport? Like, again, if I look to, you know, December 2015, can I realign what I found important in the sport as I look for my next period of growth? And if what hasn't worked for me in the past, can that work for me or can I find a new things that I'll find appealing for me in the future? So these are just all good questions to ask yourself as an athlete because this kind of reflective thinking can help you really identify to a deeper level what you're getting out of the sport, where you can evolve and where you can challenge and look for those actionable changes that I talked about in the podcast. So hopefully you got some insight from that. Um, I will say if you do enjoy the show that I've put out today, you can check out my Fitness Behaviour podcast. It's a show that I've um, been doing for about about five six years now and it's uh it's got some some uh, kind of a i only do it monthly so it's not as much content as this show but i get lots of good feedback from people from that show so you can check it out as you can tell on i am talk i play the clown it's 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 kind of a different show to what i do on i am talk but um yeah hopefully you enjoy it also if you've enjoyed it and you haven't got my book go grab it you know i think if you enjoy this kind of stuff you'll probably really enjoy my book and i know my book isn't necessarily targeted for the high-end athlete but from people I've had who have read my book who have been listeners of the show they said they actually got some really good insight from the book so you can go to my website bevanjamesisles.com it's actually on the link www.imtalk.me and you can get it from there as well uh, second sponsor is we're going to talk about athlinks.com and last week I talked about the idea of keeping a record of your 
athletic career. So let me just pull up athletes right now and let's have a look. One thing that I love about athletes, and and I'm going to be honest because I'm a bit of a hypocrite when it comes to athletes because I wasn't the best person at going up and putting my results up all the time. And it's one thing I ultimately regret because I know John, he's always done that and he's got results going way back. And I look at, I've got kind of maybe 50% of my results from when I was really racing a lot. And uh, there's races I just don't remember. And I and I look back at this one, look at my athletes page right now. Actually, I probably only have 30% of my results to be honest. And I wish I'd had those other ones because I'm sure there's plenty of races which I'd have a much clearer memory of because of this. But one thing that's really cool about Athlinks is when you have all your results up there, then they can give you an idea of where you sit within the field of athletes in your results. So for example, I've done a marathon, my best marathon, actually I haven't even seen my best marathon, I haven't actually put on Athlinks, but my I did a marathon which was 2.46 and that puts me in the top 6% of all athletes rankings on their database. Now, if we look at that, that's that's pretty much it. You could probably say of all marathoners in the world, I'm probably in the top 6% of all marathoners because athletes has something like about 50 million results up there. So, you know, realistically, I could probably say I'm a top 6%, probably top 5 if I put my best result in there, top 5% marathoner in the world. When it comes to Ironman results, I'm in the top 10%. So it's kind of just a good way to get a gauge of, actually, of, of the whole world of athletes, where do I sit in the racing that I do? And it's just a cool way to geek out on your own little results. So Another cool thing about Athlinks, you've got your events, you've got your rivals, you've got your categories of different races and so on, but you can also just geek out on your results and see where you fit within your athletic world. So check it out, athlinks.com, go on there, get into the habit of doing this after every every race you do, and unlike me, you won't regret not doing that when you're racing. Anyway guys, that's uh, pretty much this month's show, so what we're going to be doing next week is we're back in the studios, we're going to be announcing some stuff that we're trying to do for next year, we want to try to take the show to the next level, and uh, hopefully you guys will be able to support us in doing that, uh, hopefully you had a wonderful Christmas and New Year's, and you didn't party too hard, and you're kind of reassessing and setting your goals for 2015, it's kind of crazy to think that we're halfway through the decade, so it's kind of blows my mind away. Anyway, I'm going to wrap it up. You guys have a wonderful week. We'll be back same time, same place next week. Here we go. Iron Russ, Iron Man Don't. Train hard, train smart. Kia kaha.